Being disabled or having a chronic illness can feel like you're moving forward in reverse. I'm your host, Scott Martin. Join me and my new friends from this underrepresented community as we talk about disrupting the status quo and creating change within the world and within ourselves. Hey, life's a road trip. Hop in. Let's turn on some tunes and go. One managing the radio and the other in charge of snacks for this road trip. My guests are Carla Bernberg and Miriam Indegua. This is the first time we've had two guests on, so let's see how this goes. All right. Hi, Carla. Hi, Miriam. Hey, thanks for having us. Um, we have been in discussions for a while. Carla, Miriam, this is our first time getting together, and I am so looking forward to uh, doing this show because I think it's going to be bringing some light to uh, our audience on something a little different. So Carla, you're described as chief storyteller and Miriam, you are described as a fundraising support officer and both of you work at Next Step, correct? Yep. Okay. Yes. Now, Carla, please describe your position, especially, you know, really get into the, tell us about what chief storyteller means. It's interesting because one of my favorite in my team is probably tired of hearing it. I actually <laughs> was telling it to a stranger at the grocery yesterday and she just smiled and kind of backed away. But we are 22% more likely to remember anything, data, some nugget of information, if it's wrapped in a story. Okay. That has actually been the trajectory of my whole career, whether I was selling, marketing, I'm always wrapping it in a story. And for the Next Step Foundation, I'm, I mean, honored is the word I always fall back on to have the mm -hmm. opportunity to amplify the stories of our participants or our recipients or our beneficiaries. So on some level, I'm that mouthpiece wrapping these achievements in a story so that donors or foundations, other foundations remember what we're doing. Okay. Okay. That makes sense and say, and Miriam, uh, tell us about your position with Next Step, please. So I'm the support fundraising uh, officer. So basically my work is to uh, support color in the U.S. with information uh, regarding whoever we are funding in the Kenya in schools. That is, I go to schools, I look for their wish lists, uh, then I come down, we sit with color, then we look for the basic information that we need uh, for the donors. So I'm the foot soldier for color in Kenya. So combined, you guys work together quite a bit uh, on things. Now, Carla, you're based in the U.S., correct? Oh, um, Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas. Oh, I always hear when Austin, Texas comes up, people always, yeah, Austin. So you've been over to the music festival, I take it. I mean, I've been here for 23 years. It's great. Okay. It's yeah. super hot right now. Oh, sorry about that. Temperature, not <laughs> excitement level. <laughs> and Miriam, you're in the Kenya office. Yes. Yes, Miriam? Okay. Yes, I am. And how Kenya. often do your paths cross? I Okay. How often do your Daily? paths cross? Daily by Daily. by teams. Oh, we meet every day. I mean, she, we meet every day and we have for years in different capacities. Okay. So you two are on Zoom quite a bit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, go ahead, Carl, uh, Miriam. Yes. Okay. I like to explore my, uh, you know, how my guests ended up where they are. So Miriam, you go first. How did you end up doing what you're doing now with Next Step? So basically being a person with disability, there's a lot of challenges that we face uh, in Africa. So since I went through it in a very good way, the pathway was not that So did easy, you... Uh, but how did anyway, how I did got. you come about this um, position? Did you apply for a job or were you brought into it? 
Uh, Go ahead. I... Since we've worked with Carla before, uh, it was like an opening that opened doors, and she saw me fit, and I applied. Me, uh, I got brought on board uh, to see up the project itself, the Pili project. So I came in uh, to run the project uh, to help Carla with the information that she may need uh, to get donors to work with us and help us to meet our end goal for the project of Upili. So that's why, how I ended up here. That's okay. The All right. Yeah. So it's more than just a learning process. I mean, you must be emotionally involved in this. It seems like both your jobs, I mean, everybody at Next Step must be emotionally invested in, in your in your projects, I would assume. Exactly. That's uh, it. Does this sometimes, is this, so Miriam, do you end up taking home with you some of the emotions from the day? And if so, how do you deal with that? Uh, I wouldn't say I'll take the emotional part. We have a bit of, of a delay, folks. Uh, but uh, when I do, it's because of the passion that I have for the project. So if I carry it home, it means I have to arrange it in a way that it doesn't overlap my life. Uh, but I try to figure to leave the work, the emotional part outside the door so that I can be able to focus on the next day. So I pick it up the next day. I don't okay. let it run. Yeah, it seems like the safe, the safe way to do things for you, for yourself. And Carla, how did you yeah. end up with Next Step? It is a very long story, which I will make short. Otherwise, the podcast <laughs> will be like Joe Rogan's that's four hours long. It was a path, you know, we started working together at a different startup. And the goal of that startup had always been to get the management team to Kenya, most specifically Nairobi. And when mm -hmm. we achieved that, I thought my work in this part of the world isn't finished. My personal reason for being here on this earth and at Next Step is something called Tikkun Olam. And it's a tenant in, I'm Jewish, Judaism, which okay. means repair the world. And I love Kenya. I mean, I truly tear up every time I tell the team I'm mm -hmm. coming and they say, Karibu Kenya and welcome home. And it, I could tear up just talking about it. I'm here for the long haul, whether that looks like a job, whether it looks like volunteer work, that this is where my heart is now. And it's become integrated into both my family. My daughter has been and loves Kenya cool. so much. It's just part of the fabric of my family now. Very cool. All right. So if, if you uh, uh, held back on that one, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of rain on what I'm going to ask you next. I, I checked out your website. It's called Unapologetically Myself. So talk about that one. And then I tell you what, I'm going to let you slide into and, and talk a little bit about a book that you had published. That's called What You Can When You Can, Healthy Living on Your Terms. And folks, links to both of these are going to be on the Life's a Road Trip website. So go ahead. You take the lead on this one. It's interesting when I hear all the time from people I couldn't do marketing and we are all always marketing. I started yeah. my blog when my daughter was tiny and I moved to Guatemala for a week, was stuck there, red tape, for six months and needed a way to keep people posted on what was happening with us. And I hit that sweet spot with being an influencer. Now everyone's an influencer. Yeah. But I came back and I kind of created this personal brand. When that sort of transitioned to everyone's an influencer, I shifted the way I worked Okay. Started working with Venus Williams, the tennis player. I wrote a Very book, cool. Point of Pride, that she blurred the cover <laughs> of the book. But all of this goes back to how I ended up in Africa because the team reached out and said, we like how you market. We like okay. how you position yourself. I didn't really conceptualize myself as a marketer because it was a personal brand. But there's a gentleman named Donald Miller. I don't know if you've heard of him. No. He's phenomenal. He has something called Story Brand, which is basically how to implement the hero's journey as you're branding anything from an hmm. item to yourself to a nonprofit. And then he also has a bunch of nonfiction works, which I love. But 
they basically came and said, we need someone part-time, fractional, fractional. We love the Donald Miller stuff. Come on board. It's only going to be for a little while. And then here I am four years later because they grew and I became entrenched in what they were doing and they can't get rid of me. Carla, as much as I've been researching you and I came across you, I would call you a fireball and there's no way in hell that you were ever going to do anything part-time. <laughs> no way. That's it. I, you won't. I lead with passion and yeah. that's where Miriam and I intersected is as she kind of said, I took her away from another department. She was working in human resources and I brought her over to what I was doing because I saw that passion in her okay. and wanted to tap into it. Okay. All right. Very cool. We are now going to go into what the, the brunt of this uh, interview is going to be about, and that's next step. And folks, our regular listeners, I always like to go into, you know, if it's a company or a person, I like to go in their website and, uh, just poke around and and see what it's like. So I'm going to go into the uh, next step website. And of course, the link is going to be on Life's a Road Trip. And look at a couple of things. And I always look at the first page, the homepage, because that's the most important, I feel. And there are two major parts that really pulled me in. And one is called Who We Are. And I'll, I'll read that. The Next Step Foundation is an international team advancing the use of artificial intelligence and digital technology as means of solving the world's most pressing problems. At NSF, we are particularly focused on enhancing economic infusion, inclusion excuse me, in Africa through the creation of digital jobs for people for disadvantaged communities, predominantly women. Maybe we'll get into that aspect about how women are treated and, and things as in, in Africa, mm -hmm. many countries in Africa. Uh, the chronically unemployed and persons with disabilities. So could you two touch on who we are and, and what's your perspective? So Miriam, your perspective, I would assume that that was what they're doing is a major factor in why you're working with next step. What do you, what do you see in next step? What do you feel from them? So Basically, why I work is because uh, why I work at Next Step is because I'm passionate about. Right again, folks, we've got a delay. I think we're having uh, uplifting uh, persons with disability. That is one of the favorite thing that I love working at the Next Step Foundation. Uh, I like making life easier. So whatever I've learned along the way is what I put uh, okay. to the world. We're having some problems. So. That is how we do it here. Uh, just making it perfect for the rest of the team. Okay. Now let's get it. Okay. Again, folks, we got this weird delay. So I'm going to click on the, our mission part. The Next Step Foundation leverages the power of technology to train and upskill people from marginalized communities, especially persons with disabilities to empower them to fully participate in the new digital economy. We work with partners to deliver projects to advance and more inclusive society and improve the lives of people from disadvantaged backgrounds and persons with disabilities. So Carla, you hit on, and I'm gonna skip a little bit because this just came up here. Let's talk about some of the partners. And I was impressed with some of the partners that are listed. So Carla, tell us about some of those partners, please. We have been, you know, I'm looking right now at the eye to eye. It's on the R projects page where we partnered with Dell Technologies, which when I discuss this in the States, everyone's always very excited. Yeah, Dell. Because we worked with them on some soft skills training. I okay. know coming at this from what has been my biggest surprise, not the brilliance in Kenya and Tanzania, but the accessibility with dual meetings of they are coming in with very little digital awareness, digital knowledge. We give them a computer and in the States, you know how to use that computer immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And we had to spend some time, for example, in Tanzania training people on the digital basics. Once they got those digital basics, they were up and running and hopefully we can say this on your podcast. Yeah. would have kicked the ass of anybody cool. in Austin with how quickly they picked up everything else, but also those essential skills. And I'm such a tenacious person around transitioning away from soft skills because these are the essential skills 
that you don't get if you're missing out on secondary school, that you don't get if you're in secondary school, really focus on making it to graduation, Mm -hmm. learning how to interview CVs, how to articulate what you've done to a potential employer. So we focus on the training, the upskilling, but also getting people ready. It's our theory of change, which is the RAT method. That final T is transition. We get them ready also to transition to employment because lots of people train in Africa and then they leave them ready to go, but nowhere to go. Okay. Okay. And it looks like maybe we lost Miriam. So I apologize, folks. It's sometimes Riverside is so great and that's what we use, but maybe the internet where she's at just isn't up to snuff. So we're going to continue. Okay, Carla. Perfect. And this this, is our every day. She may jump back in and I have learned so much from the past four years. It has been a master's degree in everything and pivoting is. Yeah, we'll do it. I mean, cause we're going to, we're going to get in some stuff, but I want to jump in. You just talked about the rat method. Here she comes again. Okay. All right. Um, I love our rat method. Yeah. And, and you just presented that, but I'm going to, I'm going to throw you a curveball okay. because I just happened to uh, open an email from you. And uh, I want to talk about Upili. And because it seems that my studies of you two and what you guys are going to be doing, you two are funneled into something that is bigger on the other side. And I'm not aware of this. And when I started reading it, I just stopped because of something you told me about the rationale for the Upili project. Mm-hmm because it took me back. I've got three kids from Ethiopia. And so uh-huh. I'm just going to back off. You guys go ahead and tell us about the Upili project, please. I'm waiting to Mary, see whether I'm we not got sure. back. Yeah. I don't know if she's on. Yeah, I'm back. Cool. Ooh, okay, okay. Let's give it a try. Perfect timing. start with I, what it means? Yes, yeah. You, you two take it because I didn't want to get too much into it because as soon as I started reading I started getting emotional on it because it took me back, like I said, to some stuff that I went through getting my three kids home from Ethiopia. So you too, go ahead. So Carla, you want to take it up on the mission and mission? I do not. I would like for you to jump in and say, (laughs) basically, what does it mean? I mean, I get really emotional as well, but it's so close to the hearts of our team and most specifically you, what does it mean? Why do we call it that? I'll let you jump in. So uh, let's go straight to the name Upili. Upili is the secondary name for, it's a secondary name in Swahili. So that so instead of calling it secondary schools project, we call it Upili. Uh, Upili is just basically going out to schools and making sure that they graduate from high schools uh, because uh, we discovered that uh, a small number of them graduate from high school. And because we want to train more uh, on the other side, uh, we opted to do Opili so that we uh, support them within the school so that we help them graduate uh, after four years. So with anything that we need in terms of uh, assistive devices, whereby we have uh, screen readers, I will share anything that will help them focus more on their schools and just uh, not really focus on the needs that they need at that particular moment, but schools is everything so that they can graduate. So that's how we came up with Opili. So Opili is basically as going in, giving support to schools, uh, not just uh, the schools itself, but uh, students and students and uh, teachers and also support staff because uh, we believe the teachers and the non-teaching staff uh, also add up to supporting the students. So we do an overview of all of them, but uh, the main thing is just us being a a blessing to another person. That's why I'm so passionate about Upili because I've gone through the hardship of finishing high school, looking for a job, actually getting a job. So I wouldn't want uh, anyone with disability to go the rough times that I went through. 
So that's why I stepped up to the plate when they called me for this uh, project. That's why I'm so, like you said, I'm so emotional <laughs> attached to it. So I give it my all. Uh, that's why me and Kala, we are always on uh, ideas every single day. So we make this project uh, happen and succeed for the best of the next generation that is coming up. So that is Upili for me. Maybe Kala, you can go with the mission and vision of Upili. Let me let me pop in for a second, Carla. As you're talking about all of this, Miriam, yeah, I can tell you guys are getting into this. But how is the fight with uh, governments? Do you guys run into problems with laws or just having to go to uh, different governments and talking to them and trying to get clearance so you can uh, use Upili and, and promote it. Are you having problems with any, uh, po- political groups? Uh, I will. And I think this has been my past four years, a daily reminder of, and this is why I value Miriam so much. We have that relationship now where I, I know she'll say to me, girl, that's fine for the United States, but that is not the Kenyan way. Or we need to rephrase this, that sometimes in the States, we have the notion of it's better to ask forgiveness than permission. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we don't do that in Kenya. And with my USA perspective, sometimes it can feel like, but I have donors who are ready to give these things. Can we not just get them and bring them to the school? Why do we need permission from this group or that group? But there's a very distinctive governmental process, which once you flow through it, you're mm-hmm. good to go. But I find that I'm ready to go, aka Fireball, and they're not ready for us yet. And so it's really taught me patience and protocol. Okay. So there are issues, but you guys are doing a workaround to get that done. Yes. And the okay. tenacity of Miriam cannot be understated because I can't go sit in an office or keep showing mm. my face because I'm 8,000 miles away. Okay. So now I'm getting a better picture of how you guys do a tag team, it seems, uh-huh. on what you guys do. Okay. Yeah. All right. So Carla, go ahead and, and talk more. You know, if we if we have to stay away from the emotional side, so none of us starts tearing up, we can, or we can just go headstrong right into it. Because I like tearing the bandaid off of things and being open and honest about some of the shit that we all run into. So I am strong right into it. And again, Miriam jump in the, one of the most shocking things for me has been, there's a stigma in the United States for sure around having a disability. There are many accessibility issues, even though we're coming up on celebrating the ADA next month, Mm -hmm. but the stigma in Kenya specifically, just because that's where I've been or Tanzania is stunning to me. The yes, Upili is focused on helping these students get through secondary, but having had the honor of hearing the stories and being able to amplify the stories, the your family is cursed because you had this child with a disability. I mean, one of the most shocking to me was hearing, okay, so I got, let's back all the way up. And so I do my research and I hear from individuals. When I was born, it was an embarrassment to the family because it was, there was the stigma around my having a disability. So I thought, okay, I get that when they're really young, it's a struggle. And then I keep hearing, no, it's still a struggle there's still all this stigma straight down to a woman who was, I believe around 18 and said in passing, you know, my mother tried to kill me because it was such an embarrassment to the family. And I thought, okay, when you were younger, no, recently. Wow. So that makes me think, so I've got five adopted kids, two from Romania and three from Ethiopia. So the Mm -hmm. two Romanians, they were born number four and five in the family and they were allowed, the family was allowed to give those two up because of economic reasons. Okay. And the there's European poor, and Romania was because, uh, yeah, where they were from. And then there's African poor. My three from Ethiopia, mm-hmm. 
from what I we were told was that families don't give up their kids for economic reasons. If there's an uncle or anyone left, it's because there's no one available. And what we were told was all three of my kids witnessed their parents die of AIDS. One of the kids does have uh, has a disability in uh, a malformed hip, but it seemed that she was treated okay. And they all went to what's called Layla House. Well, one of them, because Layla House was full, and the they made a makeshift uh, uh, shipping container into an adoption facility. Just oh, wow. crazy. But when you're talking about that, it does infuriate, especially over over here in the United States. But I would assume so too, Miriam, about is this what you're talking about? A lot of it is uh, you're fighting for these people. And it, and it seems like you guys are one of the few that are fighting for these people. Is that correct, Miriam? Would you say that uh, that's really what it comes down to with your job is to fight for these people? Yeah, exactly. That's what uh, we are fighting um, against this discrimination about uh, persons with disability. I went through that, uh, and it's not such a good thing when the person that's supposed to guide you is a person that has something against you or feel like you're inferior. So my reason even for doing this with passion is because uh, the feeling that I felt I wouldn't want somebody to feel alone because I was alone at that particular time. So I want to be the one stepping up uh, whenever they feel the society is against them. We as persons with disability who are fighting for them, they can come to us and feel at least they have somebody else to to lean on rather than the society that is against us. So that's why I'm so passionate about Upili. I want, once you finish high school, mentally, physically, you're okay to fight whatever war that comes uh, to you in terms of uh, discrimination when it comes to work, or even transport just within uh, the country from where you're coming from, whether you're going to work or you're going home. Uh, I want somebody to be able to defend themselves, speak for themselves, at least to some level uh, that they were not able to do it uh, before. That's why I'm really stepping up for Billy to be so successful. We have, so that we have so many that will step up for the rest of the team that will come after. Uh, Carl, I just put your mic back on. Um, how much of next step is Upili? Is, is this the focus or is next step broader? That's a really great question. And I think of it, cause I'm thinking about this 24 mm. seven next step is an umbrella, let's say. Okay. Got Has it. not rained in Texas in way too long. <laughs> We're dangling underneath, but I love our theory of change. It's a okay. word you won't forget, the rat method, but okay. Appropriate. I, we're recruiting our, so we're recruiting these persons with disabilities and youth and women, but she and I are focused on the persons with disabilities. Okay. So we recruit them. We assess, okay, what do you need? Do you need basic liter- basic computer literacy before we start training? Do you need assistive technology? We'll kind of assess what's happening and where you fit. The other A is accommodate. Let's get you what you need so you can be successful. I'm getting, I was like, what's the next T? The T is the training. <laughs> so we train them up, whether it's Amazon Web Services, cloud practitioner training, data annotation, whatever their training is. And then we transition them and we're so proud of our job placement. So we've got this group and we're moving them through the theory of change. But at some point, mm. where are we finding more persons with disabilities to take through the RAP method so we can make an impact? And that's where Upili kind of fits underneath the umbrella is through donors. Right now in the US, it's mainly my platform and my people through the individualized donations that we will be getting to kind of help shepherd these brilliant students who just need the right chair through secondary school, get them what they need. Then we'll have the opportunity because it really is our nonprofit, our honor, our opportunity to take them through the rap method and get them that job because it ripples out 
I know I'm passionate. It ripples out, especially someplace like Kenya, where Susie gets a job and now she's got this great job and she's working at Safaricom and she can support the rest of her family and Mm. her community. But Upili helps us find those students and make sure they can graduate. So we have the opportunity to train them after secondary or after university even. Carla, are you being picked up by um, any larger media sources to, you know, do they take on your, or do they hear about your story and then come in and, and try to grab you guys because, oh, that's a great story. Like, let's do, oh, kind of like what I'm doing. Uh, but do you have anyone, <laughs> it could be a heck of a lot bigger. Do you mm. guys, I mean, do you reach out and and find and get help from some of the larger media sources? Right now, it goes that goes all the way back to your question about what is happening with government permissions. So yeah, once yeah. we're waiting for that final thumbs up to, you know, I tell all my people about it because I can say anything. This is our plan. Also, I know that 100% of my people are not going to call the African government and say, we hear they're planning this. Like, you better look into this. So we're laying the groundwork. Yeah. And Good. it goes back to sales and marketing. I'm still marketing. I'm still selling because I love it. So when we're ready to go, my people are so ready to get moving and start helping Miriam do her work. Okay. All right. So that's where you two interweave. So Miriam, Carla's setting things up. And then Miriam, you come in and kind of reel them in. Is that a yeah. good analogy? You you pull them in and, and as part yeah. of Next Step? Yes. Okay. She says yes. Okay. There's that delay again, but we're cool on stuff. Okay. Now I've got a better feel for what you guys are doing. And you are exactly the type of people that I want on this freaking show because uh, uh, I'm trying to stir things up to get people to voice their opinions because I am learning from a lot of people that come on the show that there is a means for getting things done. I think that they might be a little bit too quiet about doing mm-hmm. it. And I continue to say, follow what the LGBTQ plus community has done because they've stirred things up quite a bit, but I'm finding the ways of the disability community to be a little bit more subtle, but I don't know about you two, you two. I don't, at some point I'll, I'll bet Mary Mew come on out and, and bring out the gloves, so to speak and put some pressure on these people. Do you, do you find so yourself? Good. Yeah. Okay. So Carla, you set them up and then Miriam, you close the deal, right? Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Okay. Yeah. Kind of. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Okay. I'm going to sing your praises and then be quiet so you can keep singing, but <laughs> I'm 8,000 miles away. I mean, I'm, this is all Miriam on some level that, She's sharing her lived experience. She can make connections. I absolutely cannot. There's always going to be that cultural roadblock that I jump in when I'm needed, but Miriam on the ground, going to the offices, making the connections, being tenacious with the follow-ups, walking that Cirque du Soleil fine line between assertive and aggressive that she's so good at is most of the work. Okay. Okay. And are you two able to, and and do you do this often? Do you go where these educational, are they called schools or are they training centers? What do you, what do you call it? Where, where the students are being trained? Our participants that go through the rat method. Is that what you mean? Yeah. I have not been. A group of our team went and Miriam wasn't with them either to Tanzania for the kickoff of the training. I believe, Miriam, you were in and out during the I2I, the whole Dell Technologies, that group with Faith. She was over there for a lot of that. Were you at the Joytown training? No, I wasn't for that one. Okay. So you guys are, it seems like both of you are on the fringes. So it's kind of too bad. And I hope you guys get to see this more is to see the fruits of your labor because you're busting your asses 
And it would be nice to be able to see, and I'm sure you get pats on the back from the other people at Next Step, but are you able to actually say, shake the hands of some of those graduates from the RAT method? We haven't, but Upili, I mean, I'm going to toss it over to you, Miriam, and hope we don't have the delay to use a uniquely probably USA reference. She's like the Pied Piper. She goes okay. to campus to get the needs lists and the students. Got it. I don't know if you have any examples, Miriam, that come to mind about one of your visits at the school in Thika, where you come and people don't want you to leave. Mm. Yeah, I've gone a few times. Let me see. There's one time I wanted just to go for two hours, but I ended up doing six hours of just conversation with uh, students uh, back and forth. Uh, they would really want somebody to talk to. So, and see, since I'm in within their age, uh, sort of say, uh, they feel free to talk to me. So I would end up going. For a whole day, I came in at eight. I leave maybe at five or six in the evening. So, those are the interactions or the basic things that I was saying about uh, being there for them, paving way for them, not just uh, with the project itself, but also guiding them with how we do things in terms of teaching them the their rights uh, within. Uh, the persons with disability rights, uh, what uh, the constitution says about them, what uh, they need to acquire before they leave high school or even after high school so that they can have those small, small benefits that come with uh, being a person with disability. Some may not know because they are from the village and sometimes information doesn't flow that easily back to them, to the village. Uh, So in this space is where you can give them the very, very important information that they may need. So I take those advantages of, I tell Carlos to spend two hours, I end up spending a whole day there. So those are the important things that uh, sum up Upili in the long run. Because you're the success story. And you, I mean, I don't know if you define yourself as such, but I mean, I tell Miriam all the time, she is my favorite part of this job because you're so good at what you do. What what you do. The students are so drawn to you, and the stigma is so heavy in East Africa. And you're an example of, I know, but I've got this, and I'm reaching back behind me to lift you up as well. Yeah, Mary, it sounds like you uh, you are part of the motivation for some of these kids because they exactly. can see you, and I see that Carla's the one that promotes it. Okay, so question for you two. Do you ever see any of the students leave the program before finishing it? If we're talking about rat method, yeah, probably. There's a lot with internet connectivity, transportation. It's been such a learning process. Oh, and this yeah. transportation to and from the training centers. What gave birth to Upili is not that, but I know as a team we all paid attention to oh, wow, we started with X in Tanzania and we landed at X minus Y, Mm -hmm. not because of lack of interest or capability, but because of food during the day, getting to the training center. So we started filing that away. This is what we need to make sure of. Thank you, Miriam, that we focused on, okay, when we launch Upili, these are the two main things we want to focus on. The basics, uniform, soap, shampoo, sanitary pads, because those are the impediments to completing secondary school, the RAP method, not the ability to pick up new topics or the intellectual capacity to finish because they are fine there. It's the little things that are the big things. So you just filled in even more of the center We've already got the outline for what you guys are doing, but now more of the center. So it goes even deeper. It's about providing, like you said, transportation, uh, basic daily needs and things. Oh my gosh. Talk about hoops to jump through. You have so many that you probably still get surprised with some of the problems that, oh, we didn't think about that. And now we have to solve that problem. But do you feel 
both of you guys can answer to this, please, that you have a firm base to build from now? Is this moving forward? And, and some of those basic problems are now out of the way that you are able to make giant leaps forward with the program. I'm looking at Miriam. Um, <laughs> I would say yes, thanks to Miriam. The I'm really focused on you have a master's degree in counseling that I'm not using. Miriam has a counseling background <laughs> as well. I'm Jewish and have such a deep belief and understanding of the epigenetics of trauma that we pass down, okay. Holocaust or whatever it is. Yep. And that's a big foundational piece we're focusing on pre-launch is the physical basics and the emotional basics, counseling for the teachers, counseling for the students, because once that's kind of in place, I have my basic needs met, then we make the leaps. And Miriam has been pivotal in identifying who in Kenya might we work with to get these needs met. So we are coming back sometimes to uh, politics and government. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to start wrapping up the show and ask you guys about what is still needed. Carla, what is it? What are your, your targets? Miriam, it seems like you have everything on the ground mm-hmm. churning forward and it's just keep repeating, keep repeating, keep repeating. And, and you, you probably do have that base down, but what is the program, especially you, Carla, who's out there, lead storyteller, that, what is it that you still need? What can people be doing to help? I mean, what, what, what targets do you have and, and objectives do you have to uh, go out and get? I know exactly what we need and follow me on LinkedIn. It's the, we're throttled. There's the government right now around what we can share openly on social media, but it's once we get that thumbs up, probably disability pride month is July in the state. So hopefully it'll kind of go hand in hand with that. And we're allowed to say everything and anything on social media, signing up for our email series because It's the amplification of the stories. I'm such a believer in ethical storytelling. It's recipient first, not about the foundation, not the old school. We're going to exploit this person's needs to get the donations we need. It's just the stories of Upili signing up for our email. Once that comes up on LinkedIn would be amazing because I've done grassroots before and people forward and forward and it's the ripple. Okay. So it comes from there. Any any last things from you, Miriam, on on projects that you're doing now or or issues that you're running into? Uh, any last little tidbits you'd like to provide? So mine is just like Kala said, uh, going through the government, uh, getting the thumbs up, uh, and also reaching to the schools that are not in towns but really rural so those are they are kind of uh, hard to reach uh, let me say if you take for an example uh, northern kenya from where i am to northern kenya is a bit far so and also these schools are not just somewhere you can find them on a google map so you have to do really footwork uh, to look out for them you have to mm-hmm. engage with uh, the locals uh, that are the the ones that have been there for long so they will show you around the schools and also there are schools that really are not in really good places so you'll find a school maybe with two classes and this is a special school or you'll find a school is a special school but doesn't have all the necessity that's uh, supposed to be there for a person using a wheelchair for a person using a, a white cane so you find it's really hard. So for me, I've gone to schools that are special schools, but even for me, it was even harder to just go into the school because it was not disability friendly. So these are my mm-hmm. obstacles, even as a person going in to help. So I can imagine the ones that are within the school. So mine are so many, but uh, I'm hoping once we get an okay, then me and Carla can make all the schools are accessible and have a very large uh, student graduating at the end of the year. So 
maybe we scale up the numbers to 50% at least for now, then maybe in two years we have 70%. So we don't want, maybe we all of them may not graduate, but we just want uh, the numbers to go high. Okay. So that it means if they graduate, mm -hmm. then it means the government gives us an okay every time we reach out to them because they're seeing the positivity of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. So that is what okay. we are. That's my aim at the end of the day. Okay. So question for you guys. Would you rather this show drop on June 27 or July 11? I'm, July, July 4th falls on a Tuesday. So uh, I'm not going to do any shows on the 4th. So End of June 11. or early July? What do you want? July, don't you think, July? Mm -hmm. Okay. So you guys might be able to play off of it or something. Okay, cool. Perfect. So I'll make a note of that. Make sure you guys are, are going to be uh, dropping the show in July. So we want to go into something a little bit different. And come on. There we go. Uh, the sound of the VW Beetle means it's time to shift gears with the road trip roundup. Now, I'm just going to go forward with this because I don't know what any road tripping might be over in, in Kenya with, with you, Miriam, but we're just going to do it. Fun. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask a question and then give you each an opportunity to respond to it. All right. So when road tripping, I don't think you have fast food, Miriam, but thank God, maybe. Uh, do you tend to do fast food or local diners if you're fast out food. on a trip in a car? Fast food. Fast, fast food. Fast where do you, yeah. all right. So tell me, Mary. So I've, when I've been to Ethiopia, I mean, I was in Addis Ababa and I didn't do a whole lot except for go to the orphanage and at the hotel. I didn't see any fast food. What, what's your favorite fast food? I don't know. You call them chips or you call them, I don't know what you call them. There. Fries, so, French yeah. fries. Oh, fries. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So is there a, is there a, a place you have? Well, you've got McDonald's. Mm, do we have, no, we have. Well, we have oh. we have a few of them, but it all depends with where you're going. Some places don't really have them, yes. but if I'm road looping with, within an area that has fast food, why not? I would do pizza, I would do fries, okay. I would do chicken, whatever, so long as it's easy to go. Okay, cool. All right, yeah. you're I'm up, Carla. Could not be more boring, and I would bring my own dang snacks. I mean, I go, yeah, I yeah, would bring dude. my own snacks. I can't lie. I would have jerky and some fruit. Yeah. You're a jerky person. I okay. am, Texas. <laughs> okay. All right. Both of you guys. Dream car for a road trip. What would you like to, What what's your favorite sort of car that you would like to go on a road trip with? I'd go with tricked out van. I don't even know what that means, but I'm imagining it's no. super bohemian inside. Yeah, there I guess go. it's a yeah. VW van. Yeah. Yes, tricked okay. out bohemian. Okay. What about you, Miriam? I don't know. I like fast cars, but we don't have really many fast cars in Kenya. So I would do maybe a Dodge or maybe a Mustang, one of those. Okay. Well, so this is a dream sure. car, so you can Maybe have one of those. you can, can have, have a fast car if you want. You can get yourself a Ferrari, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring it. Come on, September. Okay, so Miriam, you're younger, but I'm going to mm -hmm. ask this question anyway. Maybe I'm going to be surprised. What's the last cassette or CD that played while you were on a road trip? Oh my god! Yeah, she's thinking. <laughs> What's a cassette? Okay, I'm, I'm not that young. Actually, I'm not that young, but I know all of that. Um, so the last one that played was, uh, I think it was a mixtape for Boys to Men, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, Boys to Men. Okay. I love Boys to Men. All right. So all right. Cool. Last month, but, all right. Yeah. You, Carla. I will have to say that with a 17-year-old, I get to play nothing. But I have learned uh. recently we did a road trip and she shouted, Miriam knows her. I call Ox, and huh? I didn't even know what that meant. Thank you. I thought she meant OX. It's yeah. the hip, I call like, it's the auxiliary plug. It meant, mom, you get nothing. I'm plugging in my phone and taking over. So I called AUX. That's not fair. I know. That's... I was like, what does this even mean? No, no, no. My kids, my kids grew up on uh, classic rock and blues and yeah. Okay. All right. But I got ox. Okay. Whatever. 
Try that at home Try. and see what happens. Uh, they're all gone. Oh, <laughs> empty that? nesting. I empty got nesting is fun. Hey, all right, both of you guys. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Coke. Love. Are you Coke? Yes, Coke. Coke or Pepsi, Miriam? Yep, she's a Coke. All right, we're we're up over eighty percent on Coke. Maybe I'll take that question off because no, Pepsi I'm still got to have. Give them the right. Yeah, got it. All right, so this is where you guys get the opportunity just to go wherever you want. What's your favorite road trip memory? Okay, Miriam, I'm looking at you. Hmm. I don't know. Um. We got stuck uh, in a mud, and I had to leave the car, and I was sliding over. I had to get two people to hold on to me so that I don't fall. So, and it was somewhere I couldn't walk. So you can imagine um, a person with disability sliding around, uh, and people are looking at me. So it was kind of funny. All right, Carla, she passed the torch to you. I know. I'm going with Dodge Omni, maybe circa 1975, driving from Pittsburgh, PA to Minneapolis to visit family, squished me and my two sisters in the back fighting. (laughs) But 8 million years later, I think, oh, my child will never know that discomfort. Uh, hopefully Hopefully she doesn't know what a Dodge Omni is. That would be good. Oh, she's heard stories and seen pictures. Oh, oh, some maybe of the, you can get sponsorship from them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Buy your Dodge Omni here. Okay. All right. So uh, we're going to sign off, and but I want both of you guys to stay on so we can just talk for a second. I'm just going to say ciao and chillax, everybody, and keep listening to Life's a Road Trip. Thanks for listening. Check out previous episodes with new ones dropping each Tuesday. If you don't see a synopsis of this show where you're listening, visit our website at lifesaroadtrip.podbean.com for more information on this week's guest. This is your host, Scott Martin, reminding you that life's a road trip.